And we are live for the First Strike Podcast. It's KYT. Before we start the show, we're going to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Right now, there, there's no sale this week because we've been hammered with, you know, not only Black Friday, Boxing Day sale. So there's a lot of good stuff that we've been doing for the past couple of weeks. So expect more sales to come in the following week or the week after. Um, it's, it's just been crazy. And of course, there, there's the excitement of the new set and all of that stuff to come. So, but definitely go to f2ftour.com to check out the F2F tour schedule with uh, Vancouver coming up, an event in John's neighborhood. So uh, we, we just came back from, from Vancouver, but we're now going at the tail end of this month. Um, and tonight we got the full crew. We got Elliot, John, we got Andy, and we got a special guest with us. We got Someone that top 16 a pro tour not too long ago. We got someone who's risen in the ranks, someone that keeps popping up more and more on my feed, not just because he's tweeting, but because of his results, time of the SCG uh, leaderboard, and now just recently won a team modern tournament SCG. Welcome to the show, Zach Allen. How's it going, my man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. We are excited uh, to have you. And... Andy keeps calling you Big Dog. Andy, what, what's the reason for, for the nickname? Well, when, uh, when there's a bunch, a group of dogs or hounds, however you'd like to call it, when you notice that one dog keeps beating up the other dogs, you start referring to them as Big Dog to let them know that you know that they're the big dog, you're a little dog. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Zach, one of the early uh, interactions we, me and you have had was was on Twitter where we had Shane as a guest and he was analyzing a control list that you did well with and then you sort of butted heads. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, I, I think he was talking talking some trash about my list. I couldn't have it, couldn't take it. Uh, I know he's a he's an excellent control player, but I thought my list was amazing. So I'm not gonna stand here and uh, and uh, take the take the trash talk. It's all good. <laughs> um, let, let's let's get do give our listeners that that brief little history about you because you recently also played at the Players Championship. There's a lot going on for you uh, in the upcoming year and lots of accomplishment over the past uh, year or two. So can you breeze us through like how you got started and, and where do you mainly play? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess we'll start. I play at RW Hobbies in Michigan. It's uh, right right across the river uh, from Canada, Detroit. And uh, I started in M15. So like when that course that came out was when I started playing. I had played when I was like 10 or something during Urza's Saga, but that was like kitchen table when I was a little kid. It didn't really, didn't really carry over. Um, but I graduated college, was looking for something to do. Uh, my, you know, my free time picked up magic, kind of got, you know, very into it and have been playing constantly since. Uh, Took a while for me to get good, you know. Obviously, I'm catching up to people who've been playing their whole life, but uh, put in some time, put in a bunch of work, and uh, just recently I've been starting to see the results. I think uh, Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica, which was like the end of 2017, uh, I guess you could say it was my breakout. I like top eight at a Grand Prix two months before that, got to play in that Pro Tour, and then top 16 did. And then I was going to try and grind the Pro Tour circuit, try and make uh, make gold. I was actually pretty close just from that, you know, that one PT result. Uh, but then they had all those changes to the circuit, and it just didn't seem like it was – like I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if it was worth going to them anymore. Uh, but, you know, the the SCG brought – or the SCG circuit brought back their Players' Championship, and I saw, you know, Edgar and, uh, uh, you know, Dilks and Dom Harvey and – some other players like Lotus Box all just like crushing on the the SCG circuit, and I decided, like I like I knew these players better than I knew some of the pros, which is kind of absurd because <laughs> SCG just does such a good job marketing their players. Uh, so decided, you know, I'd, I'd uh, stop playing Pro Tour, stop playing Grand Prix, and uh, start hitting the SCG circuit. Broke out with uh, with a deck I played for fun in like a local local uh scg and kind of just kept winning from there i guess uh end of the year playing at the pc lost a win in for top four uh was kind of pissed about that but got right back on the horse kept testing and uh you know finally followed up with a big win last weekend andy did you want to comment on on his uh pro tour gills of ramnica deck give you the uh the happy feelings the the, <laughs> the fuzzies well, he- 
he net decked my five O list and then uh, changed, I don't know, like six or eight cards. And so when he posted his list on Twitter, I think we talked maybe a couple of times on Twitter. I was like, Hey, I five O'd with almost the exact thing. Just like this. I called it splinter twin where it's just Niv Mizzet plus dive down and you never lose. Yep. And uh, it was cool to see, uh, to see him do very well. And even though it, I wouldn't call it like completely my list, even though I did say that before it, uh, it was certainly iterated on. And no, it, it was feel- it was straight up his list. Like he had four radical ideas in there that I thought were bad, but other than that, I like copied every single card, uh, switch radical idea for something. I don't remember what it was at this point, but uh, the only other change I made was uh, I think he had two dive downs, and I had to play uh, a spell pierce because I couldn't find another foil dive down. So <laughs> I had to make that change. All right, fine. I'm a I'm a deck god. I created this deck, <laughs> and it's the only reason he won. But uh, no, it was the it was the first time where I thought maybe like I'm okay at like choosing decks, which I thought I was like sort of medium at. But to see someone like early in a format do well at the highest level with a deck that was at least like an idea of mine was pretty cool. Dude, you really did break it for that that event though, because I I swear there's like three or four people in the entire. It was like a 500 person tournament too. There's like three or four people playing this deck. There are other people that had gotten close, but it weren't quite all the way there yet. And the deck was just so good in that room. It just like felt like it beat everything else there. Well, it's bizarre because you don't think of dive down in a control deck, but the, the problem was that if Niv Mizzet lived, you won the game almost immediately. Yep. And, uh, it's just not something you naturally put together at all. So, Andy, so was your list posted on, on just the regular – MTGO deck dump and stuff like that? Yeah, it was just an MTG Goldfish deck dump from like week one of that format or something or week two. Okay, I was going to do... uh, Go ahead. I don't know what I was going to say. Okay, I was going (laughs) to do this topic later, but I'll I'll just do it now. So, Zach, at at that time, when you saw the name, like Andy underscore Peters, did it mean anything to you or is it just like whatever? Like, you know, there's a million Moto usernames. Oh, no, no. I knew knew it was Andy. I've, I've played Andy on Moto, I don't know five six seven times something like that i played him like around that time too and uh i've been listening to this show since uh you know gottlieb and uh i don't know whenever gottlieb was on we're also still there with that but <laughs> basically since first strike started i've been listening to it so obviously i knew who andy was and you know you see the name uh you see the list and i don't know for like me at least uh you know five lists don't really mean that much unless you feel like you put a name to them and then they then you kind of give them some more credit uh, and uh, that's just kind of how I treat five O's because I've five O'd with some terrible decks. But like, if you see, you know, a good player playing a deck in that five O'd, it's like, okay, maybe I should pay attention to this. Okay. Um, so Elliot, this question is for you. Like, what does Andy have to do? Does he have to get like a more exotic username to get the recognition John's giving to these other moto grinders? Like, what does he have to do, Elliot? Please. I don't know. Maybe add some numbers to the end of his name. I feel like numbers <laughs> are in right now in moto usernames. Some more John retweets would probably help as well. Uh, there's a, like a funny story that I, I told Carr and John for the first time, which is a couple summers ago, Andy used to just be grinding nonstop with humans on Moto. And so every other week or something like that, his name would be in the deck dump playing humans. And there's a five color humans Facebook group. And every single time, like within seven seconds of the deck of the list getting posted, they're like, "A human's deck was in the dump, guys!" All like this is when humans is like debatably with the best deck in modern, and they're like acting as they're shocked it's in the deck dump. They can't believe that someone's assembled another five zero with the strategy, and then so then Andy like you know is chaining them together, and, and people are like, "Does anyone know who this Andy Peters guy is?" And th- the f- immediately the guy who like was posting list replies i think he's some pro but i don't know what his name is <laughs> it's it's just his name guys <laughs> so clear from that point on we've been working on andy's branding and clearly it worked because zach found his deck and knew it we were doing something right there i I think it needs to be more exotic. It's got to be like, yeah, I'm a killer and all these like, Eddie Peter is because it's just a regular guy. That's the problem, Andy. I think. Just just average Joe working man yeah. on Magic Online. You see, every time John's like, oh, this is like MTGO stalwart. Yeah, yeah. I'm a killer. You never get that. You never got <laughs> yeah. that. This, this is, that's uh, Andy underscore Peters. I don't know. Some guy I pod with on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah, John, I'll let you defend yourself here. <laughs> 
I don't know. Andy Peters is just a really ge- generic name, right? So you, you got to be creative. You got to, it's got to be either relatable. Or it's got to be creative. Like, you know, like some of the, some of the best names out there, are like, you know, punt and wine because everybody punts and then wines. So that's a great name or a scavenging booze, you know, like puns are always a crowd pleaser as well. So I don't know. You got, you got to work on the, the name itself. is a very, very important part for sure. Andy Peters, it's like a bit vanilla, but you know, like your, your results speak for themselves. So I don't know. What am, I supposed, what am I supposed to do? Abandon an account with 5,000 play points on it? I can't just leave that behind. I don't know. Like, are, are the 5,000 uh, play points worth uh, the Twitter clout that you eventually get with a spiffy new name? I don't know. Ooh. Ooh, that's true. I've, I've been thinking of some good ones. I've been trying to think of some rebranding. You could also good. just steal someone's name. Like, obviously, Clyde the Glide Drexler, super famous moto account. Phil Helmuth and Phil Ivy, everyone knows them, not the actual people. Are you sure? I thought Clyde, Clyde was playing. <laughs> All right. This is, this is a fun topic I just had to get out. I just had to think about when uh, we'll talk about that later when Andy was racking up all these challenge wins. Uh, let's go ahead, Zach. Zach, you just won the Team Modern. So I want to know like, who was on your team? What was the game plan heading into the weekend of, of which decks you guys were going to bring to the table? Sure, yeah. So Team Modern event, uh, I'm playing with Harlan Fear, who's uh, someone I've been working with for, I want to say, the last six months. He's, uh, I think, the captain of Team Nova on the SCG circuit. And uh, I think the plan was originally to play with Dom Harvey, uh, but then he had something come up where he was supposed to – he got a job, or I'm not exactly sure what the deal was, but he, he bailed on us. Uh, and so then we're looking for a third and, uh, Dan Jessup messages us, says he wants to team for an event and you don't turn down a Jessup brother ever if you can for any team event. So we told him, uh, yeah, just hop on in. Uh, and then basically Dan doesn't like practice very much at all. He just plays whatever the best deck is and he's just extremely good. So it just doesn't matter. And Harlan's kind of the same way. So the team's just like, hey, just, you know, go test. Find us some decks. Uh, I gave Harlan a deck I wanted him to play. He said, absolutely not, and just played the same <laughs> deck from his PC. Uh, I tried to give Dan a build of Urza that I, I liked. He said he was just going to play Canister's List. So they, they just kind of did their own thing. Uh, I was going to play also kind of the deck I had for my PC, but uh, I saw – I think Tangrams, I think you guys talk about him on here sometimes. Uh, Tangrams posted this, uh, like, Sultai Field of the Dead Primeval Titan deck. And I've been testing, like, Devoted Druid and Snowblade and Urza. Uh, and just wasn't, like, really feeling any of them. Uh, I pick up Tangrams' list. It's going this, like, huge win streak. Uh, I don't know. I won, like, 20 matches in a row or something. Like, wow. not, to, not to brag, but, like, I don't know. Like, they like when people don't know what you're doing on MTGO, it's like pretty easy to win a lot. And when they just like have the wrong sideboard cards, like you can just tell it's very easy. Like, you know, like people are bringing a damping sphere against your deck and just doesn't do anything. And they have like a bunch of counter spells against you and you have a bunch of cavern souls. Like, so, so I just got this huge win streak and I just decided to play it, uh, make a few changes from his list just because some of the hate actually did work like Ashiok. So threw some assassins trophies on my board to be a little better against it. Uh, get to the event and uh, it was pretty smooth sailing I guess like when you have uh, Harlan and Dan on your team they just win I mean those guys are insane and I did pretty good I lost early to like uh, I lost early to like an Infect player and a Tron player who, had a, who got you know a really fortunate top deck against me but we kind of knew in like a team event uh, you know the early rounds one player in your team can lose to whatever deck and you just have to have the other two win and then as the tournament you know goes on we start playing against more of the stuff you expect in a modern event. And uh, that was where this deck was actually really good. Um, and then uh, there was actually some controversy on Twitter about the deck beforehand. I post my list on uh, uh, Hipsters of the Coast for the weekend, and it's got a oh. Crater Hoof Behemoth in it, <laughs> which uh, Tangrams was really high on. He really liked the Crater Hoof Behemoth, but everyone else hated it. So people are calling me out for playing this terrible Crater Hoof Behemoth, saying the card's unplayable, that – I didn't test enough. Like, why did I put this garbage in my deck? Uh, and then at the event, it's just insane. I, like, top deck it on camera for, like, lethal when my opponent's holding up a spell coil that would have countered every other spell in my deck. 
um, you know, won two other matches with it, and it just ended up being really good. So, I don't know. The Crater Hoof was kind of the talk of the tournament. Uh, then we get to the top eight. Uh, our only we, we got a, I actually got a loss on day one because I had a deck reg error. I wrote down Field of the Dead twice instead of Field of Ruin. Uh, I think that cost us a match. But the only other loss we had was uh, to Edgar and Dilk's team in the Swiss. Then we got to play them again in the finals and get some revenge. So that was really sweet. Getting uh, getting to crush some uh, Canadian legends, if you will. <laughs> wow, great. So uh, did all of you feel like great about your like each of you, your teammates, about your deck choice after the fact? So I think my deck was extremely good for a team tournament. I actually think the deck's not that good, but I think where you're facing a very narrow set of decks and in your bad matchups, you can rely on your teammates to win. It was a really good choice. Uh, Dan thought his build of Urza was really bad, <laughs> bad afterwards. It's still Urza, so it's good, but he said it was just definitely wrong that it should have been, you know, splashing black or white or red or whatever. He just played straight blue-green. Uh, and Harlan really liked his deck, so I think he would keep playing it. I know uh, he was doing really well with it, and then he just handed his list to Kevin Jones, who ended up winning a classic with the exact same 75. So I think that Snowblade list is just good. I think it's just a good deck you can play. Uh, the other two decks I would not have copied from us. I mean, I think the, the Field Titan deck is good. If you get good pairings, you can win an event, but uh, I wouldn't call it like Tier 1 in Modern yet. I still think Amulet's a slightly better deck. Uh, John or Andy or Elliot, anything to comment on, on modern for you guys? Questions I'm back? glad I don't have to play it for another like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they'll ban something. I was, uh, I was really waiting for the punchline of Zach saying that, you know, um, yeah, everyone was giving me shit about uh, playing Crater Hoof and uh, I know Tangrams really liked it and, you know, I, I was just going to blame David uh, uh, Tangrams uh, if, if I bombed out and all that. Yeah, you know, I just I just net deck Tangrams. All the blame goes to him. It's all good. But I, I've been talking to him about the deck as well, and he's been really liking Crater Hook. So I'm not I'm not at all surprised by it. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool deck, and you know, this just goes to show the velocity of the information flow in this day and age. Magic Twitter, like this deck did not exist a month ago, and then the Twitter hive mind worked on it, and it was very well represented in the uh, mocks championship or the modern championship as well. So that went from nothing to like twenty, like ten, twenty percent of the 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 field with like some of the best modern players out there as well. And uh, I'm not surprised that you had a pretty good success as well. You know, I, I think it's it's a, a humongous mistake to not be playing Oko right now. Um, and if you can play it, if not, contort your deck so you can play it. Um, otherwise, yeah, um, modern I think is uh, some people like the gameplay. I think I I don't blame them. It's not for everyone. It's not for me. I'm pretty disillusioned with modern. I hope they do something about it. But you know, I have the privilege of uh, going to another format and hiding out until they fix it. But yeah, I mean, I think the deck choice is very good, and uh, not at all surprised that you crushed with that. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on the Oko thing. Oko is just absolutely heinous in modern. That card uh, should have been banned on Monday. It probably should have been banned two weeks ago. If you go like look on MTG Goldfish, it's like a four of like nine of the top 10 decks or something completely unrealistic. Um, it makes gameplay horrible. Like there's not like once you've played with Oko, I don't know, like 20 games, every single game after that's the exact same. The patterns are the exact same. The games are boring. Like, I, I don't know. It's one of the worst design cards in magic in the past five, 10 years. I don't know. I'd put it close with Aetherworks Marvel for just being an awful design. And <laughs> You would think that, like, having played any amount of games with it and testing, that play design would have kind of realized the same thing. But, like, I don't know. I have to imagine maybe there was some last-minute changes or something because it's just unbelievable. It's so ridiculous how just, just like, the same it makes every single game you play with. It. It's just everything's a 3-3 and nothing matters except the Oka. The funny thing is we've been taught the heuristic of – Let's attack down the Planeswalkers, get take off their value engine, and then move on with your gameplay. Uh, in my opinion, people don't ignore Oko enough, depending on your deck these days. But if you're Burn or like uh, Prowess, for example, or like even like any other like mid-range decks, 
I think that people are attacking Oko too much because like, you know, it takes so much, so many resources to like, get, get them down just to have them cast another one and all that. And obviously like not many decks can beat an onboard Oko, but some decks can. And I, I bet you that people are attacking Oko too much, which is a bizarre thing to say, but I think it's true. No, I actually think you're 100% right on that. In fact, like if you go back and look at my PC deck list, the premise of the deck was that you just couldn't get Oko off the table no matter what you did. Like Abrupt Decay can kill it, but it didn't actually like, it was a bad trade because it left behind a 3-3 and you'd get tempoed out if you were trying to do that kind of trade. So the premise of this like Snowblade deck we're playing was just like, okay, we're both just going to have Oko on board at all times. Everyone has all these 3-3s. How do we win in that scenario? And like the way that it worked is like you put equipment on the three threes or you have flyers. Like that was the only way to win. And then like, if you go back, like I was on camera a couple times in the event and like, if you watch one of my matches, uh, I think I'm playing against Oliver Tomiko. He casts a turn two Oko on the play in one of our games. And I never removed the Oko from the table. And I win because that, like that was the premise of my deck is you just let it, you know, sit in play. And I, I really think that's like the, the strategy. You either have to go way over the top of it to the point where the card doesn't matter or, like kind of just also be okoing and just do the same thing just a little better i guess and i, I mean it's really hard when you're on the draw like if Oko comes down first it's really hard to break parity but uh you know you can do it better skull's a pretty good way to do that with uh you know like a four four lifelink that you can get like a flash block with you know activating your stoneforge or whatever so um i don't know i i totally agree with your point that that's like one of the ways to attack it but <laughs> it's it's very counterintuitive for newer players and they don't like, you know, it's different than every other Planeswalker they've ever printed in the sense that that's just not the right way to beat it. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think the card needs to be banned. But, uh, yeah, your point about not attacking, it's a good one for sure. Hmm, okay, let's get, let's get to some other, uh, some other fun questions. Well, in my opinion, fun. Zach, uh, you recently tweeted that you were planning uh, to make preparation to SCG Philly, same weekend as the as the players tour, Richmond, and then I mean you got some attention, some tweets I've seen, like, you know, um people are like saying PT greater than an open and stuff like that. I wanted you to have this platform to to like uh elaborate why uh, it's the SCG players championship is more important for you. Oh yeah. I mean I, I totally understand people saying that the PT's greater, right? Like there's more eyes on PTs generally, right? And there's more money there. And it's true that the best players in the world play there. Like I've played in both places and I think the competition at a, you know, a pro tour is significantly higher. Um, but like for me, uh, you know, I really just wanted to make the players championship list. You know, like that was a goal I set for myself at the beginning of the year. And, you know, through, throughout the year, I'm going to all these SCGs and, you know, that, that company is very good at marketing their players. They do a very good job of, um, you know, making, you know, the, the players that kind of attend every event, you know, feel at home there. They do a good job marketing them so people know their name. Uh, they do a good job putting them on camera, giving them feature matches, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, when you see them do that for you, you kind of, you know, develop this loyalty, this connection to the company. And, you know, going to the Players' Championship was awesome. Uh, really, like, really cool experience. They did a lot of cool stuff for us there. You know, paid for all of it. Set us up in these sweet, like, this sweet hotel. You know, just a very cool experience. Um, and then I had a really disappointing camera loss there. If you watch, if, if you watched it at all, I don't know, but, uh, I, you know, I had a winning in for top four. It was worth a lot of money, uh, and then end up losing a heartbreaker to Zan Syed, um, where he, I, I, you know, I, I think I kind of caved under pressure and then he also just played excellent, uh, and just, you know, kind of kicked my ass to be quite honest. Um, and you know that 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 motivation you know makes me really want to go back and win it this time like i i want to get back there and it's hard because there's more players now like there's a bunch of good players actually coming back to the circuit this year and if you take events off you set yourself back right like if i'm not there and you know this new team bcw full of just you know some some people that used to be on face to face but just excellent players shaheen's on that team right uh you know they, they could just win that event now all of a sudden i'm 20 points back and i got catching up to do so um, you know, taking an event off can be tough. Uh, I'm in a good spot right now, obviously, because I won the last event, but, um, <laughs> you know, th like that changes real quick. That's one event. There's like, I don't know, six, I don't know, 20, 25, something like that in a year. So, uh, you know, I, I could fall out of the, the position to go back real soon. And, you know, I want to go back and I want to win it this time because first time just getting there was enough, but 
you know, now it's time to win. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a year long goal, but uh, you know, SCG definitely makes it worth it in my opinion. And um, I've gone, I've gone to the PTs and uh, honestly, it feels like they do a really, really good job for their MPL members, but everyone else there just kind of feels like you're just there. Like, you know, you get to draft, you're never in feature area. Um, you have a cool time. If you top eight, that's awesome, but it's really hard to top eight, you know, like a whatever 500 person tournament where every single player is, you know, one of the best players in the world. Um, so, you know, from a, from a like standpoint of where you could finish, it seems to me like, you know, going to an SCG for me at least kind of makes more sense. I don't, that might be crazy. I'm sure people would disagree with me, but um, I don't know. I, I think SCG is an amazing company and, you know, kind of want to represent them and keep playing there. I want to say a little something about the branding and stuff. Like right now, I feel like a lot of Canadians, just based on the SCG results alone, think, think Edgar might be the best player in, in the country. And, and that's just a lot of it is – because of the the emphasis on the players that SCG puts, I'm looking at the leaderboard. I, I, I recognize and know most of the, the names just from them marketing and just their or their efforts on Twitter. Like you, it's like it's not just I recognize your name. You actually like respond to people or tweet stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any Andy, any response to the whole uh, Pro Tour versus uh, SCG? And I know you wanted to also get into the debate of the of the grind. So so I'll let you take it away. Um, well. I think it's crazy to, to do an SCG over the Pro Tour. I do understand it, it being a team SCG does like elevate it to the to a point where like you could consider it. But if you had to spike one, what would you rather spike? You'd definitely rather spike the Pro Tour. So like if you're playing well and doing well, you'd rather spike a Pro Tour. If um, if things go medium, you'd probably rather be at the SCG because the points will matter for you. And if you do bad, I don't. Know, it doesn't really matter which one you do. I guess I guess. All things being equal, the SCG are just hanging out with your friends already. But I just think if your goal is to like go in and win in these events, and you're a very good player, I think you should, especially with the, the point system now where you can like chain these events together, like with uh, not ease, but you could chain them more easily. Like if you do like well, like top 16, you're going to qualify for a bunch of pro tours because you're going to be like have you're going to get a queue for the next pro tour get like a players tour finals invite and then you're going to accumulate a bunch of points and qualify for the next pro tour and then you're just on the train all you have to do is spike one event and i think that <clears throat> giving yourself a, a good shot to do that especially a pt1 is going to have the most players i think of all of them and so that means like the best in the world are like relatively diluted i think so i think it's just a good shot <clears throat> so that's kind of how I feel about that. I get what you're doing, but like <clears throat> I get the players championships. Great. And uh, well, what an accomplishment it is to make it to that. I just don't think when it's like such a long accumulated grind, you're going to have to keep spiking events. And I understand taking one week off could be pretty negative for you, but I don't think it's worth it. But obviously that's from my point of view, you have different goals, different things that make you happy. But um, <clears throat> a point I wanted to touch on is the fact that you said you're like, Oh, I can't take a weekend off. And I, I thought that was – it reminded me of back in the day when the GP grinders were begging Watsy to put caps on GPs so that they didn't feel like they had to go to every event. And I thought – was thinking more to myself that it seems kind of bizarre that everyone's giving, like, SCG a pass on this, where SCG is allowed to, like, virtually – not force, but I, virtually force these players to, like, play every weekend if they want to make this goal. And it's like kind of toxic. A lot of the players talked about how their mindset was pretty horrible. Like you get, like you can get depressed and sad and it's uh, really bad for your mental health when things aren't going your way. And I think I'm surprised that people aren't pressuring SCG to cap the opens in some way or uh, like the same way the GPs were. I remember Kibler was really vocal about it. Like Yuzo, they're like, I'm sick of being forced to travel every weekend to stay in like the, the race for worlds and stuff like that. And they changed it because of all the player outrage with the pros and stuff like that. And I'm surprised SCG doesn't do the same. And I wondered, Zach, if you thought SCG should put a cap on it. I mean, if they did have a cap, that would be very nice. Like, I, I would obviously enjoy that. But, um, you know, to your point from the, the grind being, you know, tough mentally, uh, yeah, I totally agree. It, like, I did it last year. And by the end of the year, I was uh, just, you know, 
I was worn down mentally, honestly. It was it was really tough um, towards the end where, like, every single match you're playing is for, you know, critical points is very crucial. Uh, but at the same time, I had skipped, like, three or four opens in the beginning of the year because I was playing the GP circuit then. And if I hadn't skipped those, it wouldn't have been as, you know, mentally taxing for me because I just would have had more points, right? And so, like, for me this year, that's kind of where my mindset is at is, like, um, you know, if I just go to the opens and I just don't miss them, then I'll be able to make it back, able to, like have a shot to accomplish my goal without, you know, uh, feeling like all this pressure at the end, hopefully. I mean, that that's pretty, uh, you know, hopeful thinking, I guess. But um, that, that, I don't, that's just the approach I'm taking this year, I guess, just to, you know, try and try and stay out of it. Because you're right, it is tough uh, when you're playing pre- like magic under pressure, knowing this one match could be the difference between you going to an event or not going to an event. You make misplays you would never make in, you know, moto events. It's really hard. And the, like the drive, the drives home after bombing out of events are, is awful when they're pressured, like big, big events for you. If you like, you know, lose four matches in a row, you're just out all of a sudden and you get no points that weekend that, you know, sometimes you have an eight, 12 hour drive home, whatever that feels horrible. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've gone through it already and I feel like I'm better for it now. I hope, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's tough. Maybe I'm not like, I'll have to see what happens this year too. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> we could be. Yeah. You know, like it's inevitable that you have some survivorship bias because you survived it and didn't get like the whole grind and then miss. Like, I think that kind of thing can like, like break you. And I, I genuinely think that like, I know people who have like, played their heart out to get to the top they like get to the pro tour or whatever event it is they bomb out and it and they don't meet their goals and after like a year long of trying and it's really hard on a lot of people and i think that maybe scg owes its players like some some goddamn time off or something like like give them a break i think it's fair yeah i like like i said if you want to put a cap on uh if they want to do that I would be all for it. Like, I'm not going to argue against it. I think it would just definitely be better for their players. But uh, at the same time, you know, SCG does a, does a good job marketing players who wouldn't get to market, you know, at other events. And, like, if you skip an event, you know, you're losing an opportunity to, you know, kind of get your name out there to kind of, you know, put another result on the sheet, get another feature match, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go to all of them. Like I said, I made it last year skipping four. Um, I don't know. But – you know, to your point of not making it, I actually missed day two of the Envy, which is like an event where if I just do average it, I'm locked for the Players' Championship. Missed day two, put myself in like an event where just every, like people around me just had to do like okay, and they were all doing good up till that point. Um, so it looked like I was out, and that was like easily one of the toughest nights of my life. Like, you know, the, the year-long grind, you lost in one afternoon type situation was just, was brutal. So I know what you're talking about, but uh, you know, the relief when I actually did make it, I, I feel like made it worth it. So I don't know, you know, there's ups and downs, right? Like if you strive for anything and you fail, it's going to be tough, but the the high was definitely worth it in my opinion. Yeah. How we many, all go ahead. How many opens did you play last year? If you skipped four, uh, whatever, Roughly. The, yeah, whatever the amount was minus four, I don't, maybe 16, <laughs> 17. I don't know. I think they do about 20. That would be my guess. There's probably no, maybe 24. 24 so i probably played like 20 they, they do about two a month i think it's probably about 20 something like that so i probably played somewhere in like 17 to 20 something like that okay so you i mean it kind of seems like borderline ridiculous to me that that you would say like oh i did it and i skipped four as if like that's like a small number to skip because traveling you know let's say you skip none let's say you know, you're super committed now and you need to make it, you're going to spend half of the year traveling to SCGs, driving, you know, sometimes six, seven, eight, ten hours, these events. And, you know, like, like obviously I respect the grind. Anyone who does it, you know, if, if that's what makes you happy, by all means, uh, I would basically pivot this into like challenging you and challenging the other SCG grinders to to force SCG to put some sort of cap on the events. It's like almost ludicrous to me that they would set up this system that's asking demanding so much out of its people. 
like it's just not healthy it's not sustainable like there's a there's a reason that scg grinders tend towards the age of like 20 to 25 yes you know part of that is the fact that these these players are either in college or you know haven't transitioned from college into starting your career yet so yeah the average 35 year old is probably you know maybe 10 years into a career and can't drop it for the scg tour Mm -hmm. but I think it's just, it's so demanding and asking so much. The fact that this came up for like a week on Twitter last year and then everyone seemed to forget about it is like kind of ridiculous to me, especially when we have the technology. This wouldn't be SCG groundbreaking it by being the first ever tour to put a cap on events. We have the technology to do this. Just, just copy paste it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm never going to argue against the cap. Like, if they want to do that, that's cool. But it, you know, to your point, like it is kind of crazy. I don't disagree with that, but you, <laughs> you, you like you have to love it, right? Like I, I love playing Magic. It's one of it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, you know, like I work a job during the week, and Magic really is a vacation for me. It's like, you know, how it, it you know it's my favorite thing to do away from my my job. And um, you know, some of the some of the drives home can be rough, but I I've told people many times that I think the drive to an event is one of the coolest parts of any event it's awesome just you know with your your friends going over your list trying to make those last minute changes you know asking about a cyborg game whatever getting nervous reading some article like I love that feeling to me and um you know like yeah it it can be hard but like at the same time like I don't want them to cap it too small because you know I at the end of the day I do go to these events for fun like that's reason number one I'm there and then you know after that is you know to win and you know, prove I'm good, like that type of stuff. But it, it's fun, and I, you know, I do enjoy playing them. Um, we'll, we'll switch switch it up a bit, uh, Zach. What what did what do you attribute to your recent uh, surge of success? Is there any one key thing, person, something you read, adjustments that you think you've made? Well, so uh, the first thing I want to say over over a year, about a year and a half ago, like. Uh, right before I started, you know, maybe six months before I, I played at PTGRN, uh, I heard Lotus Box and some other pros talking about just playing on like Discord or Google Hangouts or whatever online. So I like I found a group of local Michigan people, and I was not a known name at that point. I wasn't particularly good at Magic. I was just you know one of, like one of the better local players. Like I could win local events, but had no you know big finishes to speak of. Nothing of that sort. Uh, found some of the, you know, my better local friends who at the same time, like also weren't big names. We just started playing in Google Hangouts and over time we all got better. Um, and now multiple of them, you know, have had some results. Um, you know, obviously I started to break out, but th- that was more just like, uh, you know, we started there and then I just got really into it and it was just more, you know, grinding with them all the time, finding other people to test with. Um, and then, the big spike for me, I want to say, was I started working with Harlan Fear like middle of last year. I was already putting up results in some events, but I had really bad deck selection and was just throwing events away, playing bad decks at them. Um, and you know, you can you can spike an event with a bad deck, but you're just less likely to do it than if you played a good deck, right? Uh, and he kind of reined in my deck selection, really helped me uh, play good decks, I guess. And that just like let me, you know, I. I let me, I think I top eight three or four opens in the last half of last year, just, you know, to make it. And it was mostly because of him just making me pick my, like pick good decks. Um, but the original surge, I, I have to say is just from finding a local group of friends that you wanted to play with and just playing with them in a discord, in a Google hangout. And uh, you know, it takes time, but if you put the work in and you talk to, you know, you sit there and you talk to your friends, you discuss plays, you discuss deck selection, that type of thing you know, figure out why you lost, go back and watch your replays. Everybody gets better. And uh, it kind of is the, you know, the rising tide lifts all ship situation. And uh, yeah, you know, a bunch of the people I started that call with have done well since. Like one of them just top eighted the last invitational, um, you know, two of them, uh, I think they, they both got seventh place at the, the, the last open that I won. So, um, you know, and, and none of us were great before that. So it really is just, uh, you know, working with your friends type situation. I love that. Like, not only was that your your first like thing, but then the next thing was also to hook up with someone who's like better than you at a certain aspect of the game, and that's how yep. you kept leveling up. So that's really sweet to hear. 
um, what, let's jump into a bit of a touch of standard with, with like the, the arena M- M- uh, qualifier coming up. Uh, you tweeted, if I were playing standard MCQ this weekend, I would play Esper Dance. I would also do poorly, but I can't quit that deck, and it's sweet. So, shrug. Um, how sweet is that deck? Oh, I, I played it at the Pro Tour where Oko was legal, which, uh, <laughs> for reference, Oko was in like 75% of lists as a four of. Uh, he, I think, had six decks in the top eight, something like that. Uh, first and second place, won it. Uh, got banned the week later, was just absolutely dominant. And I still played this terrible Esper Dance deck just because I loved it. Uh, it it wasn't good. It it beat Soltai Oko decks, but lost really bad to the Civic versions. And I don't know. I just like I just really like the card Doom Foretold. It just is a very strange card with some weird wording that makes games play out in an interesting way to me. Uh, and like I said, I got I was sick of Oko like a week after he came out. So you know, still playing with him is kind of ridiculous but um I, I played that event with main deck sorcerer spyglass so i just turned off everybody's okos and that was that was fun for me i guess <laughs> but if you're playing an mc like the mcq this weekend do not play this deck it is not good it can't be flesh <laughs> ever uh you're like 10 percent against it maybe uh yeah don't play it I'd, I'd play fires or food or flash i think those are the three decks i guess this night stack is pretty good too mm, okay uh Elliot, Elliot, I want you to get your take on this really quick. I have been enjoying, I don't know if you've, you've probably seen it. I retweeted both of them. Z's been, been tweeting. It's just funny <laughs> to hear him complain. And uh, I'm just reading those tweets because they made me laugh when he wrote them. It is unbelievable, not, unbelievably not cool that after months of not knowing, I was told today that if I want to play the Invitational Qualifying Arena, it is in one week. I have multiple events scheduled. I have a life. Seriously, what the fuck is this? And then he follows it up with, what is the meta game going to be like in this godforsaken standard that time has already moved on from and everyone already stopped playing? But what are we now asked to suddenly play for super high stakes this Saturday? Asking for me. <laughs> um, were you able to catch, catch those tweets when he tweeted them, Elliot? Yeah, I was kind of through your retweets I was seeing them. It is sort of a, a, like a ridiculous <laughs> system. The fact that it's it's free for them to just tell people so much time in advance when the qualifiers are and and instead they wait till like basically the last minute it might as well be like you just have to open up arena and hope that the tournament's going on at the time you open it otherwise you miss it never send an email never let anyone know it's just you have to check every hour yeah and but apparently like some people tweeted that like he should have known maybe i'm seeing like efro saying that like I don't understand this information has been in the announcements in the most recent article from a couple of weeks ago and is on the events calendar. But then Zvi continues with like, no one told me. They didn't do the obvious thing and email the participants until last night. So they debated. You do really that. have to battle through any Wizards of the Coast website to get any information that you're looking for. It's blood from a stone if you're looking for a date. And God <laughs> forbid you need to know like uh information about an event past the time it starts at you're just you're out out of luck andy as someone that's playing this this uh qualifier i assume uh did you have to dredge through this like do you sympathize with these complaints uh i sympathize in a sense like he should have known but um (laughs) at the same time wasi does a horrific job with their website and a horrific job with like their information like i was trying to find out like what the formatting of the day one was and it took me like 20 minutes to figure this out and i am a a professional googler of sorts and it just took me forever because their website is horrible so many things are named the same thing or similar things that when you look it up it's not there or you there's like five announcements for everything. So you get the first announcement and things have already changed by the time your the announcement you care about has gone up. So it's just, it is horrible. So I do uh, sympathize them for that. Three people have asked me if we have buys at Grand Prix, New Jersey in a few weeks because they announced the cancellation of Grand Prix buys and I had to outsource the answer. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Well, do we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy, where are you going to play uh, this Saturday? Uh, I'm going to play uh, Jeskai Fires, without a doubt. I've played exactly three standard tournaments, and I've won all three of them. 
I won a PTQ, a standard <laughs> challenge, and another standard challenge with uh, Jess Guy Fire. So I'm not going to give it up quite yet. People don't respect it enough. And I think it's just in a vacuum, one of the, like, the most powerful thing you can really do. Good. Um, we're, we're at the tail end of the show. Uh, we didn't get enough John in here. So, John, what's cooking in the lab? Are you already excited with the cabal about the new set? What's going on? What's, what's going through your mind? Arrow certainly seems to have some potentially seismic uh, cards that'll change multiple formats. But what else is new in this 2019-2020 uh, 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 new power creep uh, ethos that uh, Watsi is having? Um, a lot of a lot of strong cards, obviously, and uh, my focus is on PT Phoenix, which uh, I'm working with a bunch of online grinders and uh, uh, good, great players um, without the official team. So it's going to be a good experience. Because you know, last time I was at PT Dominaria, I was working alone and I got swept very easily. So, anyways, uh, we were we were pretty excited about the uh, some of the cards in PT uh, in Theros. I feel like there's going to be potentially new decks that will make a, dif uh, make a difference or will pop up uh, into the Tier 2 and Tier 1 landscape, you know, notably the Heliod and uh, Walking Ballista Combo, for example, uh, under, Underworld Breach, stuff like that. So um, even though uh, Pioneer is like, I would say is like fairly solved right now, uh, at least I have a pretty good idea of um, what's going on in Pioneer, it's... I, I, it's liable to change at a moment's notice once Theros comes out. Um, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. Uh, I've been testing a bunch of decks, but uh, the real testing is going to be once Theros comes out on Magic Online. I'm going to be at GP Austin uh, this weekend. Uh, I am not looking forward to playing Modern for the first time ever, I think. Modern has been my favorite, favorite format ever since I started playing two, three years ago. So it's a sad state of uh, affairs when um, I'm... I really don't want to play modern, but after um, GP Austin, if I'm going to, if uh, Oko is not banned yet, I am legitimately just going to hide out in Pioneer and uh, Limited. I just don't want to play. Um, I'm going to keep them complaining to a minimum because I generally dislike complainers, but I've never really despised a magic card harder than I've despised Oko. I think the games aren't fun. I think the card is extremely unpleasant. Just invalidates way too many uh, types of cards, threats. It's a threat. It's an answer. It's a win condition. I just can't deal with it. So, of course, I'm not playing Oko uh, at GP Austin because I really don't want to play with the card. But, you know, what are you going to do? I'm a filthy casual. But after GP Austin, I'm just going to be working hard at Limited, Theros Limited, and Pioneer. And hopefully we can break it and um, I can have a very good finish at um, GP, sorry, PT Phoenix. Mm. Well, one question about, about Theros, uh, one last question about Theros for you, John. Do any of the cards, uh, any cards seem potentially egregious to you? I don't, I don't think so. Like, uh, Heliod's obviously on everyone's radar, but, like, this type of infinite combo is plentiful in modern. And certainly it looks good for Pioneer, but you still have to, like, uh, like, like copycat was really good because like the show around it like was also very good and you can play like you can basically play no back like no back cards like four color control for example like white's been historically like bad uh, in the last few years um but some type of white devotion deck with uh, using ballista and uh, heliod fairly for example could be a thing a combo combo centric version could be a thing but like, I honestly don't know. Um, the blue-green Titan is another thing that's on my radar. Thankfully, it doesn't have Trample like Hogak did. But I, I still think that it'll slot into multiple uh, formats. Underworld Breach is my pick for potentially being broken. But uh, people, people more imaginative and creative than me will have to break that. Um, so... Even though there's a clear power creep, nothing's like egregious, egregious yet. But then again, I missed Oko um, when Eldraine was spoiled. So <laughs> um, Zach, have you been keeping track of the new cards? Like, did any card uh, make you go, whoa, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah. No, Underworld Breach for sure. I read that card and I was like, this, this is Yawgmoth's will. What are they doing? This is unbelievable. And he's right. Like, you got to build it slightly differently. You got to fill up your yard more. But like within 15 minutes of the card coming out, 
like I had multiple people ship me turn one kills in Legacy with the card, or like turn two infinite. Like it's just, I don't know. That was dangerous. Uh, I think it might be a, it could be ridiculous in Modern too. Uh, I don't think Pioneer quite has the graveyard like filling capacity uh, that that card wants. So maybe not quite there. It's I don't think it's actually gonna be very good in Standard. It might be okay at best. Um, people are talking about Heliod. I think Heliod and Walking Bliss is not that good actually. I think he like John was on <laughs> he was on the right track with just white is so bad in Pioneer that like having to make five white pips with your permanence is just like a huge cost already that like you're making yourself you're, like you're setting yourself back to have this combo that like is good but like also disruptable so uh I'm not as scared of that one yet like if they print a bunch of good white cards and I'll you know then I'll be more scared but you know right now I'm not um Past that, I think the escape mechanic is just going to be good. Like, I think it's going to be played in many formats, but nothing looks broken yet. Like, I don't think anything's close to as good as Oko. Um, I also don't think anything's as good as the adventure creatures. I think the adventure creatures from Eldraine are just insane. Like, Murdus Rider and Bonecrusher Giant. Like, they, you know, Bonecrusher Giant is, like, starting to see some amount of modern play. Uh, you know, not that much, but a little bit. And he's like dominant in Pioneer. It's like every single red deck is playing Bone Crusher Giant in Pioneer. Um, that card's very good. Um, and I, you know, I don't think anything's close to that. I could see the new Elspeth. Maybe the Elspeth looks kind of bad to me, but I wouldn't be shocked if it is good, just because it has these. You know, just keeps coming back. Um, and you know, the, the Titans could be or the Giants, whatever they are, uh, could be. But Del Five is a lot. Uh, you know, Gurmag Angler only works in modern in you know very few amount of decks and it's like they're all playing thought scour and bobble and fetch lands and you don't really have those cards in pioneer so i don't know i don't think anything's broken in pioneer yet uh modern modern might be scary i could see some stuff from modern dredge that <laughs> might go a little crazy um but yeah oh yeah i got i gotta put my two cents on the uh the i think the name is ox of agnos or something like that this is this might be what dredge was uh missing because like I, I've said before that I'm off dredge because you're not, you're actually losing fair games of magic because you're you ran out run out of gas the lone forgotten cave engine is not enough not explosive enough or people just like might, might like batter skull you out or you know blue white might like uh, you know one for one you're out with like permission and then like Jason mind sculptor and like you just run out of gas and then having a, having a card like the ox where you can like re gas up and you know have an explosive turn three or whatever. I think it's a big deal. Um, I poked uh, Sodek about it. I think he's uh, pretty optimistic. Um, he is a more creative mind than me uh, for Dredge, so I'll let him uh, do his work and I will just net deck. But I'm uh, pretty hopeful about Dredge in the upcoming uh, quarter of three. Uh, I'm curious, John, uh, for my own curiosity, how good is this 6-6 uh, Simic guy, the Titan Euro? Something? I mean... <sighs> The, the the rate on the three mana like uh one time like risen reef half is like not that bad and if you can abuse the graveyard to just have this like recur like every so often and ramp like i'm not like the, those two halves are like the recur the recursion and the ramp aren't like that coherent but like the, just like the three mana half is not that bad and like if you can configure your um deck to take advantage and like escape it like multiple times i think it's quite good it might be like a Pioneer Dredge or, you know, Elder Deep Fiend type of stuff, for example, where you can just, like, repeatedly abuse it and, like, outvalue people while using the graveyard somewhat, for example. But um, there's too many powerful texts and too many angles that attacks from such that, like, I think there's considerable uh, location. Like, Bob Wang was even talking about it in Legacy. I'm, like, a bit skeptical about that. But, like, if he's talking about it in legacy or at least considering it, like, like I take notice because like the bar for legacy play is obviously very high. Yeah, I'm, I'm off it. I don't think that card's very good. I think it's fine, <laughs> but like ramping and filling your graveyard is not generally strategies that go well together at all. So it's weird that that card's trying to do both of those things. Um, I don't know. I, I could, it, it definitely has like powerful numbers on it, but I, I don't think it'll be as good as people are making it out to be. Hmm. All right, there's more, more exciting stuff. Um, I'm going to be uh, revealing, I guess, on possibly the Face to Face Games Facebook page, revealing the, the spoiler cards that, that was given to us freely from WotC. Uh, I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. It's like the last day. Uh, Zach, 
we'll just end the show. So how, anything you want to plug with your Twitter account, um, upcoming projects where people can find you, uh, let us know. Let everyone hey, know. I got, I got a hot take for you too. Leave Canada with something. <laughs> uh, you said, you said earlier, you thought Edgar was the best player in Canada. <laughs> I no, I, have... no, no, sorry, sorry. I've, you know who I think is the best player in Canada. I'm seeing what, what the populace sure. is telling me. Sure, people people are saying that. I gotta go for Dilks though. I've been more impressed with Dilks. Gonna say that. Okay. He's uh he's an incredible player. Um, but yeah, as in in terms of like my stuff, uh, just you know my store RW. If you're in uh, southeastern Canada and you, you feel like coming across coming across the river for uh, a PTQ or something, RW is probably gonna have a PTQ. So feel free to come down. Um, and if you you know you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at a 2 and that's the tag. And, uh, you know, I, I'm usually on there chopping it up with people getting in uh, debates. So happy to, happy to, you know, throw it down with you too, if you want to come at me there. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if there's anything to elaborate on, but you, you also tweeted recently that you're back on team RIW and, and we're talking on the show. It's, it's, it seems to me it's like your local uh, game store. Was there any specific reason besides like just, just representing uh, the store that you've represented before? Uh, yeah, I just, I just thought it was a better move for me at the time. I tried Nova and it was, uh, I didn't like the testing process as much as my old team. So, uh, I made a move back and, uh, also like it, I don't know. I've been playing for the store for so long now it's hard to move away. So <laughs> yeah. that's fair. I, I, I love the Dilk shout out because a lot of times people who are more focused usually on the eternal formats are known for their legacy skills aren't placed among the. Uh, the elite because the elite play the people that regard they as being the best they play more of the mainstream formats so it's good that you you put I love that you shouted out Dilks um, someone that is probably underrated by the um, casual MT Canadian MTG fan so that's that's my opinion dude people people underestimate Dilks hard he is one of the few people <laughs> I've played against where you just like feel like you're getting outplayed like every turn of the game and uh, I don't feel like that against many players. So, um, yeah, I, don't I love think it. you think you might be up there. I love it. Love it. Well, he, he always crushes. He always crushes. He yeah, every time. He's just insane. Insane. He was putting up results at Eternal Weekend, but again, that's like what some of the the mainstream casual fan might not pay attention to. So, he's been under the radar for a while, and now like we're seeing like the SCG circuit, and then he's been crushing the the local showdowns at the uh, f2f toronto store so i've been seeing his picture like next to trophies and stuff so they're doing more of those formats so i mean it's been it's been a good few uh year or two minimum for him uh in terms of clout and, and exposure and uh he's still probably vastly underrated yes um, all right john john anything else you want to say i'll be at gp austin uh if you're around if you see me come say hi Right. You still need cards? I'm going to put this out in the morning, so maybe you'll, you'll get uh, some help. I think I'm okay. I, might, I may or may not need a Microsoft lettuce, but uh, I'm pretty sure I have a lettuce uh, at home. We'll see. <laughs> Microsoft lettuce. <laughs> um, Elliot, anything else? Uh, no, I have pretty much nothing this weekend. I'll be at Jersey at the end of the month, and uh, you can also come say hi to me then, unless I look sad. <laughs> okay. All right. Wear your ye yellow or orange hoodie. Um, Andy, anything anything else? Anything you need to do? Oh, no, you need to crush this Saturday to gain the respect that you deserve. That's what you need to do. Yeah, to be an, uh, a noted MTG <laughs> Arena stalwart. <laughs> stalwart. That's the that's the nickname you're going for. To hear John just plug it in somewhere in his, one of his tweets. That's That's what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah, so I'm playing that this weekend. I'll probably play the Popper Challenge on Sunday. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's about it. And then um, I also have New Jersey. And then actually in between, I think there's like the Popper – there's like the the place you get to spend these new QPs. And I've got a lot of them. So I'm going to be spending them all that weekend. Uh, we didn't mention that so much to cover on the show, but can you humble brag your, your recent challenge results? All right, so in the last five weeks – I have played, uh, I have top aided four popper challenges, including a win last weekend. I've played two standard challenges and I won them both. How about Pioneer? 
I uh, O2'd, one two'd, but I did six two <laughs> with Izzet Phoenix, and that deck sucks. <laughs> Anyways, good luck. Hopefully, like everyone should remember Andy underscore Peters. That is the name to look up. If we stick to that brand, that is the name you better have in your minds when looking through deck lists and deck dumps. Um, write it down. Write it down. <laughs> You're going to need it. I was going to say, it's so generic, I've already forgotten it. So you definitely have to write it down. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so uh, Zach, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on at some point when you crush more tournaments. Or, or even, you've been a great guest, so I'd have you on anytime uh, you want to debate something. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And uh, for the rest of the guys, have a great night and have a great weekend of gaming, peeps. Ciao.